Now let's talk about types of parallelism. In most poetry in America and in most of the world, there's things called rhyme and rhythm and meter. Those are three pretty prominent things that show up in poetry. Throughout history, most of the time, poetry follows rhyme, rhythm, and meter. The Psalms, the Hebrew poets didn't do any of that. There's a little bit of meter, but every time you think you've nailed the meter down, then the next psalm violates it. And it's so all over the place that there doesn't seem to be a particular kind of a meter. There is some rhyme, but many of these words don't rhyme. What the poets actually like more than rhyming is puns. They like using words that sound the same but can mean different things. And we've seen that as we've been going through Kings and Samuel and that kind of stuff. What they do mostly use is parallelism. The only thing that seems to be very poetic about their poetry is not rhyme, meter, or rhythm, but it seems to be parallelism. Parallelism is where you're going to have two lines. You have at least two lines. And this is called a couplet. A couplet is when you have two lines that are connected to each other, or you can have a triplet, where you have three lines that are connected to each other. And you will see this because when you go in the Bible, you will see a line in Hebrew poetry in the Psalms, and then you will see a line below it that's slightly indented. This is the translator's way of showing you this is a couplet. So if you see a line like this, where you have a line and the next line is indented, that's a couplet. You have a line, the next line is indented, that's a couplet. Then you might have a line, and the next two lines are indented. That's a, that's a triplet. So most of Hebrew poetry is a couplet or a triplet. And this is how it does parallelism. Because parallelism is when the one line has an idea that is stated, and the next line is communicating the same idea. One idea communicated on two different lines. And when I give you examples of different types of parallelism, this will make more sense. So there's your basic definition, but some of you might be like, eh, but when we go through examples, it'll make more sense. Now, some of your Bibles, depending on what they are, the smaller your Bible is, you might have something like where the first line is left justified, the second line is indented, and the third line is indented even more. All that means is the margins in your Bible are so small that they had to carry it to the next line. So if it's indented once, it's telling you that's a couplet connected to the previous line. If it's indented two, like two tabs, like the typewriter or the computer hit tab twice, it just means the margins weren't big enough and that line had to be carried to the next line. So one tab means it's a couplet or a triplet. Two tabs means it's just we needed another line because it's too long. So don't let that confuse you. Here's a couplet. So he rushed through the streets, flew through the alleyways. Okay, this is one idea. They're running through streets. The idea of running through streets is the same as flying through alleyways. Streets and alleyways are very similar. Running and flying is very similar to each other. So there's one idea. And if I deleted the second line, the idea is fully communicated. And if I add the second line, I'm not really adding new information. I'm just expressing it again. So she yelled with all of her might and screamed with great intensity. That's, that's parallelism. Because yelling and screaming are very similar to each other. Might and intensity is very similar to each other. If I deleted the second line, you're not losing any information. So do you notice how the second line is paralleling the second? They're mirroring each other. They're very similar to each other. Now, why do this? I do it because I'm emphasizing things. I can just say like, 
like, wow, that kind of sucks. <laughs> but that's not very emotional. But if I'm like, wow, like they're ripping my heart out, I'm wasting away, like that emphasizing it with figures of speech and poetic terms emphasizes the emotions even more. But by synonymously repeating it, saying the same thing with different words, I'm emphasizing the emotions even more. I could just say, they flew through the alleyways. But when I say, like, they flew through the alleyways and they rushed through the streets, that repetition there is emphasizing that action even more. And so the emotion, the action, the intensity is getting repeated and emphasized, which makes me feel it more. So it would be the equivalent of you're watching a movie and they show, like, somebody running away and they go to the bad guy and the bad guy's chasing them and they go back to the other person, they're running, and they go back to the bad guy. They could just show the person running and the bad guy chasing them and that's it. But they keep going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and you're not getting any new information, but you're feeling it more. You're feeling it more, and the tension's getting greater. What's going to happen to them becomes greater, and that's what parallelism does. So the nations conspire the people's plot in vain. So that's parallelism. Here's a three-line one. She is busy at work, active at school, occupied at home. This is not necessarily synonymous because these are three different things, but they're all similar to each other. Busy, active, occupied is kind of similar. Work, school, home are three different areas of your life. And so in that way, they're parallelism. They parallel each other. There are three types of parallelism. The first one is what's called synonymous. Most of us know what synonymous is. Synonymous means that you're saying the same thing, but with different words. Now, I teach high school kids, so my examples are, they get their attentions. I kick the snot out of him, I beat the crap out of him. Okay, that's synonymous. Beating, kicking are synonymous with each other. Crap and snot are liquids that come out of your body when you're squeezed too hard. Okay, so <laughs> basically the idea is that those are synonymous. I'm communicating the exact same idea, I'm just using different words. So the idea from the first line is repeated in the second line with different words. The couplet or triplet is communicating a singular idea, but each line is saying it differently with different words. Now, I know I repeated myself there, but I repeated myself differently in order to get the point across. And as a teacher, I often have to repeat myself synonymously in order to get the point across. If you're a teacher, you probably do a lot of synonymous parallelism when you teach. You're trying to figure out how can I say this differently, but I'm still communicating the same idea. Synonymous parallelism, this is the easiest to identify. My hand will sustain him, surely my arm will strengthen him. So where you see this is hand and arm are both body parts, upper limbs, and sustaining and strengthening him are very similar to each other. So what he's emphasizing is he really wants you to see how God is behind this, how God is actively involved in sustaining. By repeating in different ways, he communicates that. I am set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave. So he is separated with the death. He's disconnected from life. He's also with the slain who are in the grave. Slain and being set apart are very similar, and dead and grave are very similar to each other. So the same idea, but you feel the emotion. You feel the intensity by the fact that it's been repeated. Save me, O Yahweh, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. Okay, now the saving part is assumed that it's being repeated on the next line with a conjunction, and. So one could easily say, 
Save me, O Yahweh, from lying lips. Save me, O Yahweh, from deceitful tongues. The save me, O Yahweh, is, is assumed to be repeated. But the repetition in the synonymous is lying lips and deceitful tongues. Those are very similar to each other. On lion and snake you will tread. You will crush lion cub and serpent. Some of you are like, wait a minute, that's not synonymous. It is, though, because the words on the second line got switched. But if we were to switch it around, on lion and snake you will tread, you will crush serpent and lion cub. That's very synonymous. This is what's called chiastic synonymous parallelism. Because chiastic is when things get switched and it forms an X. And so this is where you really only have three types of parallelism, but some commentators will give you like 20 because really it's just like a modification of synonymous or a modification of something else. So in this way, it's synonymous parallelism. The same idea is being commuted. It's just the words are changed around in the second line. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. Okay, wisdom is often personified as a woman in the book of Proverbs. So wisdom and she is synonymous and streets and squares are pretty synonymous with each other. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to destructive tongues. Liars and evildoers are synonymous and wicked lips and destructive tongues are synonymous and listening and paying attention are synonymous. The next one is antithetical parallelism. Anti means the opposite of. We often think anti means opposing something. That's how we use it in English. But in Hebrew, anti is to be the opposite of something. He's called the Antichrist not because he'll stand against God, but he will actually be the opposite of what a Messiah really should be. So antithetical is that it's opposite of something. Or you could use the word oppose as in oppose as in black and white, but not necessarily in they're against each other. They're just opposed to each other because they're opposite of each other. So you're like, well, how is this the same idea if they're opposites? It's the same idea, but we're just communicating two sides of the coin. So the idea is a coin. The antithetical-ness is heads and tails. So it's the same idea, it's a coin, but I'm expressing an antithetical point that there's heads and tails. The same idea is direction, but the antithetical-ness is up and down. It's the same idea, it's direction. And in this particular case, vertical direction, up and down, male and female. The idea is gender, but I'm just telling you the antithetical parts to what gender is. So it'll be the same idea on the second line that was on the first line. I'm just now giving you the opposite of that idea or point. Antithetical parallelism is used a lot in Proverbs because Proverbs is wisdom literature. It's the wicked do this and the righteous do that. But it uses a lot in there. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. So there you see, what is the same common idea? What is the the one unified idea here? Yeah, what people do with money. Okay, wicked people borrow and do not repay. Righteous people give generously. So it's what you do with money, and it's giving and taking, basically. In the morning it glistens and sprouts up. At evening it withers and dries up. What's the common idea here? What a plant does in the day. In the morning, which is the opposite of evening, 
It glistens and sprouts up, which is the opposite of withering and dries up. It's the same idea as what a plant does. It's just, and probably morning and evening is metaphorical of its lifespan. So this is what a plant does in its life. In the beginning of its life, it sprouts up and glistens. At the end of its life, it dries up and dies. But there's one idea, a plant life. It's just expressing opposites here. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. So the common idea here is children and parents. You have a wise son, but the opposite of that is a foolish son. It brings joy, but the opposite is bring grief. Now this one kind of throws you a curveball because the father and the mother are kind of synonymous here. They're just, so the idea would be parent. Be parent here. Whoever keeps commandments keeps their life, but whoever shows contempt for their ways will die. So the idea is what people do with their life. They keep the commandments, they will live. They show contempt for the commandments, they will die. So the idea is what do we do with the law? What will we do with the law? The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of pleasure. So wise people are basically, this is what wise and foolish people do. Wise people are willing to mourn. They're willing to see the negative things in life. Where foolish people just always want to have pleasure all the time. And they're ignoring the negatives and that kind of stuff. If he holds back the waters, there's drought. If he lets them loose, they devastate the land. So the singular idea here is what is being done with water. If you hold it back, there's no life. There's a drought, which is the opposite of letting them loose and everything being devastated. So this is all antithetical. Now, I know this is very academic right now, but when you begin to read these in the Psalms and you start picking, you're like, okay, I know what Psalm this is. This is a lament. And then you start picking up the, the parallelism and you start feeling the emotion more. It starts becoming very real. And you start getting the Psalms a lot better. The last one is synthetic parallelism, which is ironic because it's not really parallelism. But a lot of commentators call it parallelism because we have to stay parallel in the category of parallelism. So synthetic parallelism is basically synthetic is made up and not natural. Synthetic parallelism is that it is one idea communicating on the first line, but more information is added to the second line, more information is added to the second line. So it's not that, see, when you have parallelism synonymous and antithetical, you're not getting new information. The idea is just being repeated with different words or with the opposite. With synthetic, you're getting new information. So I'll give you an example. She woke up. She got dressed. She went to the grocery store. She bought broccoli. She brought the broccoli home. She came home, and now she's chopping broccoli. You remember the Dana Carvey song from SNL? Chopping broccoli. Chopping broccoli. (laughs) That's synthetic parallelism. You have multiple lines. It's one idea what a woman is doing with vegetables at the grocery store, okay? But each line is adding new information. You're not getting the opposite of what she's doing. You're not getting the same thing with different words. It's just adding more information. This is synthetic as how we talk. This is just like I went to school, I came home. The day kind of stunk. I had this problem. That's all synthetic. It's not parallelism. 
And basically what commentators have found is most of poetry is synonymous or antithetical, and synthetic is just what doesn't fit into those two things. But it's still important to point it out so that you don't think like, oh my gosh, this is not synthetic or antithetical, but it's got to be one of them, and you're pulling your hair out, and it's not. So it's synthetic. So example of this is, in peace I will lie down and sleep. You alone, Yahweh, make me dwell in safety. So there's one idea, what God is doing with him, and how he's protecting him, and providing him safety. But it's not getting repeated with different words, and you're not getting an opposite, an antithetical idea. He's just adding new information to what God does. Not so with the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Wicked and chaff are not synonymous. They're not antithetical. Blowing away and chaff are not antithetical or synonymous. What he's saying is that the righteous will live, but not so with the wicked. They blow away like chaff in the wind. So you're just adding new information. But it's one idea. What is happening to the wicked? What is happening to the wicked? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. So we're just getting new information. What kind of person is this? The person has clean hands and a pure heart. Let's add more to this person. He does not lift up his soul, and he does not do what is false. That's not antithetical. It's not synonymous. It's more information about who this person is. He does not swear deceitfully. So the singular idea is, what kind of person is this? But what he's adding is more information to this is the kind of person who has clean hands, a pure heart. He's not deceitful. He, he's just adding new information to that singular idea. Does that make sense? The eyes of Yahweh are in every place, watching the evil and good. So the idea is what God is doing. What is he doing? His eyes are everywhere. What are his eyes doing? They're watching the evil and the good. That's one idea, and you're just getting more information added to it. Oh, Yahweh, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? I'm crying for help, you're not listening. That's just synthetic. I'm just adding new information to that same line. These are the three types of parallelism. So this is really simple. If you can just come to Psalms and know the four types of Psalms and the three types of parallelism, that is pretty much most of the the, the struggle, most of the effort in understanding poetry. You don't have to know meter. You don't have to know rhyme. You don't have to do haikus. You don't have to count your syllables. All you have to do is understand it's either lament, praise, thanksgiving, or royal. And it's synthetic, synonymous, or antithetical. And if you can identify those things, you're going to pick up on the majority of what the Psalms is doing. The majority. And you're going to identify it. And you're going to feel it. Because you're going to be like, oh, this is repeating the intensity. I feel that. Oh, this is like, this is an antithetical contrast between what wicked people and not. I feel that. And it's going to start making more sense. And the poetry is not going to feel as dense to you anymore it's going to feel more like you're understanding it. It's going to help you with the Proverbs, because the Proverbs, the poetry gets even more dense than Psalms and Proverbs. And Job is just like, shovel me out now. Like, it is so dense and complicated. So half of it is just figuring this stuff out. 